Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This episode is sponsored by Karen Hallian. Karen Hallian is an incredible illustrator who creates beautiful fandom art. If you enjoy the types of fandoms that we talk about on this podcast, you're really going to like Karen's work. You can buy prints, stickers, and other products at karenhallian.com. And you can also check out her Patreon and join the 1,000 other people who support her art at patreon.com slash karenhallian. Hey, welcome to the Sartorial Geek Podcast. I'm Jordan Ellis of Jordan Denae, and I am so excited to have comic writer Erica Schultz here today. How are you? Hi, thank yeah, you so much for having I'm me. I'm very excited because uh, <laughs> this year has been crazy. So like things actually coming out is so weird, but I'm excited that you have a new comic that is out now, right? It just recently came out. Yeah. Uh, yes, the trade paperback, the collected edition for Forgotten Home just came out on June That's 23rd. Awesome. And then it's um, it's available yes. digitally too, yeah? Yes, it is available on Comixology. If you have Comixology Unlimited, Kindle Unlimited, or Amazon Prime, you already have access to no it way. for free. Uh, Yes. So if you have Prime, you just go to Prime Prime Reading and um, you can already start That's reading so it. That's so cool. Nothing. I didn't even know that was a thing. That's awesome. That's a lot of people don't know that they have like that they have uh, privileges for reading stuff if they How have Prime. How does that so. like that? Like sometimes I'll just log in and be like, oh, there's this whole world of stuff I can do. I had no idea about. Um, that's super cool. And you've, I, like, I know you just from, we sort of, we're in the same circles, which is very fun. Um, but you, yes, yeah. Wendy, Baslin, that kind of crew. Yes, and you've Robin, been yeah. doing this for a long time. Like you're like a veteran comics writer. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't to say me. veteran. I mean, when I started, <laughs> when I was like that. Well, when I, when I first started out, I started in a studio and I started out in late, uh, 2008, December, 2008. Um, and I started as, um, a background artist in a studio and I worked, uh, doing some animation for the astonishing X-Men motion comics that came out. Um, so I was doing some animation and like, um, extending background artwork and coloring and things like that. And I was doing that and I didn't really start writing until 2009, 2010. Wild. It's so crazy realizing, you know, people, I guess that is still a long time ago now, but it's like, that's not that long, which is kind of crazy. It feels like two lifetimes ago. It really really does. Do you still do art for some of your stories too? Um, I'll do some graphic design for it or I'll do, you know, layouts if, if, um, if my scripts are like so garbage that (laughs) someone can't understand what I'm trying to say, like I'll do thumbnails and stuff, but I don't, I don't draw the comics like that. Um, 
that's not, that was never really my forte. I'm a serviceable artist. I'm not a good artist. Um, and I usually worked on, um, backgrounds and doing inking and things like that. So I wasn't really like, you know, penciling figures. I was doing more of like the background stuff. Cool though. I'm sure that comes in handy. Yeah. When you're just trying to like explain how something functions, it's good to be able to baseline do it at least. It, it is, um, especially because uh, I teach at the Kubert School and um, a lot of times when I'm, you know, teaching the students uh, either story adaptation or um, or writing even, uh, it helps for me to be able to thumbnail it out for them, you know, just so they can sort of uh, see where my brain is going with things. Um, and it and it also gives me a little street yeah. cred with them. You know, because a lot of times it's like, oh, she's just the writing teacher. It's like, well, you know, I've also worked in animation and I've, you know, worked in backgrounds and, you know, I've, you know, inked stuff that came out from DC Comics. So, you know, I'm not just the writing teacher. Cool. Yeah, Yeah, put them in their place. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about Forgotten Home because I am looking at the... uh, at everyone who worked on this and this is such a stacked list of really incredible people i got so lucky on this like i can't even like and i would i was gonna say oh it's 2020 but it, it, we put everything together yeah, in 2019 why. so 2020 <laughs> can't 2020 can't even yeah. can't even get credit for this um but marika cresta is just an incredible interior artist uh matt emmons uh liana kangas who's yeah. also part of the, the sort of like tangential group um she introduced me to matt emmons who uh who's a colorist and artist himself um and matt really knocked it out um and i i've worked with bill sinkavich before so whenever i have a trade coming out i try and rope him into doing a cover and the cover that he did for this trade is just mind-blowing um and the single issues natasha alterici did the single issue covers and i think my favorite cover probably in anything is the issue for uh the cover for issue number seven which is a um an homage to frank miller's daredevil 181 and uh yeah natasha really did an incredible job um and you know my dear old friend from college who i've known 20 plus years um kevin marr had done the logo the really cool logo um with the flame and everything and um uh yazelle ayala had done some incredible designs uh for all these like sort of royal gowns that were just like mind-blowing uh to the point where a friend of mine said she's like i want to cosplay oh, as this yes. so, I, so i asked Giselle, i was like can i give her your design she's like oh yeah sure so i sent over like some of the di- original digital designs and uh my friend's looking to you know create that um sort of uh that really sort of deep uh blue green dress with the uh copper embroidery she's gonna try and put That's that together so which would be cool. amazing it, it, like I know a handful of people in comics, but I like the the comics world is so big and I'm only tangentially related. It was so fun to look because I know yourself from Geek Girl Brunch and I was like, oh, my God, this is so crazy. (laughs) She is incredible at all of the all of the comics, nerd, fashion, everything. Well, she just got work uh, working on West Side Story with Steven Spielberg, so. I was like mind blown yeah. from that one. 
Yeah. Coming up in the and world. then Sam Maggs wrote a forward. Like I was just like yes. grinning at the credits page. I I love I love Sam. Sam is fantastic and wonderful and uh, you know real cheerleader. Um, Natasha and I, Natasha Alterici and I actually worked together on a short for Destiny New York a couple of years ago. Uh, Pat Shand had um, had done these backup stories, and we did a backup story together called Sister Sister. It was a five or six page backup story, and um, it was my first time working with Natasha, but she was just fantastic. And, uh, I asked if she wanted to do covers and she's like, yeah. So she did a great so job. Awesome. That is so cool. And then let's, uh, let's talk about like the actual story. Cause I, I am the notorious slowest reader on the planet. So I am only at the beginning of it. Um, but I really am into the vibe of the story so far. Well, basically, the story is about uh, a woman named Lorraine, who we learn is not from Earth. She's not from this world. Um, and Lorraine comes from a place called Janata. And Janata is, is this land where it's, you know, perpetual war. So uh, when she was a teenager, instead of becoming a general um, leading this, you know, army of young people, she uh, she escaped. She ran away. Um and she came to Earth and she tried to start a life. Things did not work out that well. Uh, she ended up being a single mom and she ended up joining the army on Earth because that's the only thing she knew how to do was be a soldier. So uh, she and her daughter were at first they were moving all over hell and creation because the army was moving her all over all over the place. Um, but then they were moving all over the place because deep down Lorraine was worried that the queen, who is obviously the, um, the person who wants this war as, you know, so much that the, the queen is going to find her and, and bring her back. So there's this, you know, sort of terrifying fear of, you know, always being on the run and not staying in some place for too long. And that really, that really weighs heavily on, on Lorraine's daughter, Joanna. And, uh, despite her best efforts to, to keep her actual home, to keep Janata at arm's length, um, Lorraine gets roped back into it and she ends up having to go back home and just all hell breaks loose between having to face the queen again, having to, face uh friends that she abandoned all those years earlier and also her daughter finally seeing where she comes from finally seeing you know her heritage and being really resentful of Lorraine for keeping this from her um because you know growing up Joanna just knew okay every two three years we're gonna move I don't really have a lot of friends uh I've got these weird abilities that nobody else has and mom doesn't really explain them to me very well. So now she shows up at a place where she fits in. She's, she feels like um, she's sort of linked up with a true part of herself that has always been kept from her. So there's a lot of resentment and contention between them. So it's really Lorraine on sort of two fronts, battling the queen and battling her own daughter. Um, and I basically say it's about like three women all trying to fight for agency, all trying to fight 
to take over their own lives and the three of them going about it in vastly different uh, manners. That's such a cool, that's such a I'm, cool thought. I, I'm terrible at log lines. I am like the worst at them. So if somebody's like, you know, tell me what this story is about oh, in three no. words or that's, less. I'm like, that's also not a podcast. So <laughs> that's totally great. <laughs> I'm like, I can explain it in three paragraphs or less. No, I mean, why boil the story down to to just a sentence? That's so cool. And it's also like, I'm always, I don't know. I love like stories about family and family relationships because Mm -hmm. their families are so different. And so it's always like, I always think it's very cool to see how that plays out in different versions, different stories. I also think families are messy and you know, it's really a lot of us. I mean, I grew up in the seventies and eighties and you know, it was the eighties and nineties sitcoms of, you know, at the end of 22 minutes, everything was okay. Um, and that is just 100% unrealistic, you know, um, Lorraine is our quote hero and she makes all the mistakes in the world. And not only does she make the mistakes, but there are people that are there to hold her accountable for the mistakes that she makes. So she has a lot going on. Um, And she really like, this is, I I said, you know, she can never be, um, she can never be accused of being a Mary Sue because she like fumbles her way through this, you know, and there's, I'm not going to give away the ending, but you know, there's, it's not like your typical Hollywood happy ending. Real, you know, there's still, know? yeah. Well, that's the thing is it's, it's not, it's not, Oh, everybody lives happily ever after big smiles. You know, it's, it's hopeful, but it is not your, you know, you know, everyone rides off into the sunset and, you know, and honestly, I think that's the, I think that's the only kind of story I can handle in 2020, to be honest, because the like fairy tale stuff, like sometimes it's nice to escape, but it also feels so far from like any semblance of reality that a story that like, you know, in another time of life might've just been fun. Now I'm like, I can't handle that much everything going right because that's not my experience at all and then things that are too dark well, yeah. aren't hopeful at all it's just like oh i can't handle that either so this is like a sweet spot well i mean like you want something that's aspirational but not something that's so fantastical that you're just sort of like yeah. oh, okay you know yeah well, that's at oh, least the totally <laughs> that seems like the perfect vibe for this year because yeah even some you know i've some of my old favorite stories of movies i was like this is just not the time for that right now like i need i really do need something in that yeah. middle the middle line and there's isn't there kind of there's like a, a mystery detective element to some parts of the story too right there is um the way lorraine gets hooked back into going home uh back to janata is that there is a rash of child abductions um she is a sheriff in uh, a rural county of montana and there have been these random childhood abductions that she's trying to investigate um and every uh crime scene that she goes to has 
uh, she has, feels the presence of residual magic because one of the things about being from Janata is that she has these magical abilities. Um, and her daughter and her daughter's best, best friend are actually part of this kidnapping where they get kidnapped themselves. And that's what brings Lorraine back home because she has to rescue her daughter and her daughter's best friend. And hopefully these other children that had been, uh, that had been abducted. The reason why they were abducted is because in Janata, the only people that have magic are children and the Royal family. So we learn that Lorraine is actually the, the heir apparent. So she is the daughter of the queen and, and she ran away. So not only did the queen lose her general, the queen lost her heir. So yeah, the queen was not too happy. That only makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that goes on. I mean, there's a lot of like, you know, I even make a joke, uh, with a line in it, like who says you never use your freshman year uh, um, civics class, you know, that kind of thing. Like there's, there is, you know, politics involved. There is, um, there is basically almost like a race war going on. Uh, There's uh, a a war for natural resources. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on in this. And, you know, you can read this story on a lot of different levels, but sort of the baseline level is it's about three generations of women um, all trying to, to be their own true self, uh, whether that's a villain or a hero or somewhere in between. You saying that just reminded me, like I'm always struck because I am not a writer at all. And I get to do these (laughs) interviews though, which is very cool. And something that just never crosses my mind, but totally makes sense is like, when you're writing the story, you have to know all of that stuff. Like when you're talking about freshman year civics, it's like, yeah, you need to, you need to know like how, you know, that plays out into your story, which is so crazy to think about. Cause it's a obviously very different like skill set and like genre than writing, but you need to know about politics and the history of how that has played out in different places to have something that like makes sense in your story, which is wild. I mean, I, I tend to do a lot of research and, um, that's just me. Uh, most of the stories that I had worked in prior to this were, um, you know, crime fiction and set in the real world. So, um, I have a series called M3 about an assassin being chased down by the FBI. Um, I have a series called 12 Devils Dancing about um, the serial killer stalking this agent. Um, real world, you know, there was really no world building because it happened in our real world and everything, you know, makes sense here. This was way bigger in the sense that I really had to think about the world in which this all inhabits. And, um, and it was tough because, you know, for me, I either tend to go overboard or I don't do enough. So I think I found a sweet spot. I hope I found the sweet spot. Um, but I, I want to be able to answer those questions. Um, when I'm teaching writing at the Kubert school, one thing that I'm always telling the students is that, you know, even though you're not going to put this in your story, you need to know something like what's your character's favorite color 
or something like that. And the fact that I have, you know, notebooks filled with character ideas and how they would get out of situations and things like that. Um, I tend to treat characters as people as opposed to treating them as, you know, pawns on a chessboard. You know, ooh, I'm the writer. I, I control all the all the people. I'll move you around as I like. I don't like doing that because I'm trying to think about them as real people. And then therefore, it'll help me think about them, you know, being being um, cognizant of how a real person would react in yeah, a situation. Yeah, that's kind of what we've been talking about, like that that's not real life like people aren't just pawns like people are people and so i think that makes a lot of sense like yeah that probably really plays into like the story feeling real you know like it is not it's not a fantasy or it's not just like moving pieces around it's trying to create yeah essentially reality which is very cool just reality with purple magic right. and you know, so, swords and so stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What's exactly. the uh, what's the a, a magic uh, world like? Is there? I'm, I'm sure that's a very long answer, um, or could be. But like, what's the what's the kind of premise of the magic? Or is that a spoiler? Well, no. I mean, so talking about like knowing the world. So basically, like sixty five thousand years ago. Um, there was this, um, these, this race of two people. Like if you think about like the Neanderthals and, um, Homo erectus, they were very similar, but technically different. Um, and everything was cool and everybody, there was interbreeding and, and it wasn't, you know, there was no real fight about anything. I mean, you know, maybe they would fight about, you know, Hey, that guy took too much deer meat this, this week kind of thing, but it, it was, it was pretty peaceful. And, um, this giant comet, I don't know if it's a comet. I don't know if it's an asteroid. I don't know if it's a meteor or meteor. I don't know. And I'm sure that if I posted something about the sun Twitter, <laughs> I would get added by like Neil deGrasse Tyson or somebody like that. But so this is where I didn't do the research that's because awful. that's just, that's, that was just Absolutely. too much for me. Um, but this thing falls from the sky and when it falls from the sky, it makes this big crater and it, you know, in this crater, it basically punches a hole in the ground. And when it punches the hole in the ground, it reveals this crystal. Um, and this crystal is called Elysia. And everybody is sort of wowed by this crystal. And the next generation that is born, um, there is a uh, one person who is born with that flame tattoo. And it's actually reminiscent of when the meteor right comes down to the sky, comes down from the sky. Like it's that sort of flaming comet. That's what it represents. Um, and so those people were, you know, they just looked on them as the leaders. They have this special mark. They have these silver eyes. Uh, when I wrote the original treatment, it's um, Lorraine, her daughter, Joanna and Rani and all the Royals have, I put impossibly silver eyes. And so they were, you know, elected as leaders. And what started to happen is each as the generations started going, um, you know, you would have the royals who were born with these birthmarks, but you would also start seeing evolutionary changes 
to the two different types of people um, from the exposure to this uh, crystal substance. So the Chilambans became these hulking, hardened rock people. Um, and the Janadans became these sort of like lithe, very humanoid people. And because there was now a physical difference between them, um, there started being other differences between them. They started being socio, you know, uh, so social distance differences between them. Um, it was learned that the Chilambans, because they had this hardened rock skin, weren't affected by the Elysia. But for the Janadans, if they were injured, it would actually heal oh. them. So it became this thing where the Janadans wanted it, but they couldn't mine it directly because it would be, it's almost like radiation. It would be an overexposure. So the Chalamans are the ones that are sort of relegated to be these miners, these workers, whereas the Janadans are the ones that are reaping the benefits of this. And I mean, and you can see that anywhere on earth, you know, all these people who are mining precious metals, mining precious stones, the people doing the backbreaking labor are never the people that are actually benefiting from this. And so then a war starts up, obviously, and it's this war that goes on for hundreds and hundreds of years. And then uh, the Queen Rani that we see in this story, her parents worked very, very hard. Her father, who was the royal, was king, worked very, very hard to um, create a tenuous peace. And so there was finally peace when uh, her older sister, who has the flame birthmark on her face, when she took over, she wanted to keep the peace. Um, but Rani felt that this was not the natural order. The natural order was, you know, the Chalambans are subjugated. So, um, so when Rani comes into power, she decides that the war is going to start again. And then her daughter, Lorraine, is trained to be part of this war. And Lorraine has the idea that she doesn't want to and then runs away. And that's sort of what is what kickstarts our story. So cool. I'm so excited to read the rest of this. I got like a taste before this and I cannot wait. Um, and it's beautiful. Like we talked about the team, but this book is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, Marika and Matt really did an incredible job on the art. Um, and I, you know, when you're writing a lot of times, you'll have sort of a vision in your head uh, about how you think, you know, how you, you visualize something. And every page that I got back from Marika incorporated something from my vision, but made it 10 times better. So cool. That's like, that is the dream when you're working with a team. That's yeah. amazing. She was, she, I mean, she's working on Dr. Afro right now for, for Marvel. I mean, she's tops. She really is. Cool. I, I'm so excited to dive into this story. And I know we talked at the beginning, so it's available digitally now. And then print yeah. is sort of, you know, depending on how 2020 print is kind of do thing. <laughs> Exactly. Like print, print right now is kind of up in the air um, with luck. It'll maybe be the end of 2020. If not, it'll come out 2021. But um, if you have Prime, you can get it through Prime Reading. If you have Comixology Unlimited or Kindle Unlimited, you can get it. Um, you can also buy it directly 
from Comixology. If you have Comixology Unlimited, Kindle Unlimited, or Prime, you can already read it for free because it's already part of um, that package. Um, so the entire trade paperback is uh, is available um, with Bill Sienkiewicz's gorgeous cover. And we've got some cool stuff in the back with um, where you can see the original drawings from Yisela Ayala, um, the original uh, uh, fashion sketches that she had done um, for these really beautiful that's outfits. That's super cool. Oh, that's so awesome. And then um, we can follow you online <laughs> to get updates as you find out when uh, things are happening. <laughs> yes. Yes. When I know something's happening, you will definitely know. Um, I, I'm on Twitter. I'm um, Erica Schultz, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, uh, 42 on Twitter. And um, Erica Schultz writes uh, W-R-I-T-E-S on Instagram. Um, and, you know, I post, uh, we've done a couple of, uh, kind of like oh, film trailers awesome. for the book. Um, my husband's a film and television editor, so I roped him in, uh, and he sort of cast a wide net to a lot of his, um, producer friends and such. Um, and we got, uh, Beverly Wally to write a trailer, to write two trailers. We got, uh, Ryan Hobler to do the, uh, sound mixing and, uh, Shannon Lee Reeve and uh, Shalice Belmont uh, did the voiceover work oh. um, for one of the trailers. So, uh, so those are all up on my Instagram and uh, on my Twitter that people can that's check awesome. out. That's awesome. And we will put that in the show notes because that's super cool. I love that. That's so awesome. Thank you so much for chatting today, Erica. I am like very excited to read this book. I'm excited for everyone else to get their hands on it. And then I'm excited to see it in physical print form sometime. That's so awesome. Yes. And I, I appreciate taking the time to, to chat. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, I would love to get this book in my hand. Um, but right now, if you want to give it a read, check out Comixology. That's, that's the that's place so to go. Cool. Thank you so much, Erica. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can head to our archives to hear more or hit subscribe to hear what's coming up next. If you want to go a step above and beyond, you can leave us a review on iTunes, which helps other nerdy people find us. Or you can go to patreon.com slash sartorialgeek to help keep the podcast going and check out the cool rewards that we have over there. Have a great week and stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.